Hey, welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, David Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And there's a variety of topics I want to talk about today, but to start off, just sort of where we left off last week, <clears throat> we were predicting uh, who would be the next Smash Bros. character, and also just talking about how good the Smash Bros. DLC model is as a whole. And lo and behold, we have Minecraft Steve. Wasn't it uh, like a... Minecraft representation in, in, in Smash. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. This is the first one where like people are mad about it, but I'm like kind of here for it. Like, it makes I don't know so much sense. You know, Minecraft's like oh yeah, the best selling game of all time. I think. Yeah. You know, so. And, yeah, and like I don't know. I I think it's weird. I expected this like a year ago. Like, like I was. Uh, totally ready for it around the time like Banjo and Byleth were announced and I was like ready for it but like where it didn't happen then I just kind of decided it wasn't going to yeah and so interesting. it really kind of threw me off we we now have two Microsoft reps with Banjo and, and Steve and it's interesting that Banjo went first you know like maybe it, I mean Banjo's like been a highly requested character for Smash forever now so maybe they Decided to go with Banjo first, but Steve makes sense on every level to me. Like, there's so many kids out there who are just over the moon with this announcement. <clears throat> yeah, Banjo it, was definitely more hype for me, but I, I think I'll actually play Steve more. His moveset looks yeah, super fun. I haven't downloaded the game it yet. Is, I've been busy. The gameplay is honestly kind of jaw-dropping. Like, Sakurai is a genius in his ability to take the essence of a game and bring it to Super Smash Bros. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. It's the, the way that, yeah, they the implemented they his mining mechanics and yeah, reworked yeah, every, every level. level just ridiculous to work with yeah. his mining. Yeah, everything we thought we'd left behind. And like, just watching some game, like the characters out now, just watching people play him and stuff. Like he seems pretty high level. Like his frame data is really good, and like, it seems like he might be a little overpowered. I don't know. Like, it's hard not to make a character that can literally change the stage overpowered. Like. That, that's tough to balance. Have yeah. you, like, played him a little bit? He feels just weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, he's he's kind of Mega Man-esque, right? In the sense that, like, his uh, his A attack is just, like, like, Mega Man's is, like, his blaster, right? But Minecraft Steve is just, like, him waggling his sword. And, you know, like, his jump is really bad, but, like, the building makes up for that, I think, and... And like the minecart is is deadly in more way than one because you can attack with it and trap people with it, and it's just yeah. I love I love that they have like the different like grades of metals from Minecraft as well. Like you can you can start with wood and you go up to like iron, and eventually you know you get to diamond, and all of that's represented in the game. They even have the property of like gold breaking quicker from minecraft itself my in the game my personal favorite well. thing about like minecraft steve and i will not call him steve because he's minecraft steve uh mm -hmm. is the fact is that, that minecraft it, it feels steve weird minecraft? saying yeah. you know steve has joined smash bros that's just minecraft you know steve. like what yeah go ahead but uh the fact that he gimps all these characters that have been made that can't recover any direction other than low oh yeah like little max something i mm, I wasn't aware that Alex was like. I, I hesitate to use the word canon, but like Alex from Minecraft, like the girl skin. I didn't yeah, I didn't know she had a name. Like, honestly, yeah, I, did, I I knew that that was like one of the default skins, but I didn't know. And I think I even knew it had a name, but I didn't know that it was like 
that big of a deal, I guess. And like, you know, uh, probably good that it is. Yeah, and I, I just do didn't like know how about that. I do like how like the announcer actually, you know, changes the name of the character based off the skin you pick. Like he actually says like Alex Steve. Or, that's cool. or Steve or like Enderman or Zombie, you know, like Yeah, if I play Steve, I'll be Enderman all the way. That's the yeah, coolest. Yeah, Enderman's one. skin is definitely the coolest one. But I, I it's just every single time a Smash Bros character comes out, it's it always blows me away with just the attention to detail and the love Sakurai and his team put into integrating that character into Smash Bros. Like every single time. Yeah, like, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's remarkable. The the only person I personally know that's been upset by it is uh, one of my friends who really wants Master Chief, and he thinks that this means that Chief isn't super likely. Because uh, anything's possible that, now. If we, if we yeah, have it's my, already. Really Steve. Yeah. I do think anything is possible. Yeah, I I still think yeah, I still think Master Chief is not off the table at all. It's not off the table, but if you were to ask me to guess the next four reps, I would probably I would not, leave him out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Doom Slayer is way higher on like the likelihood for me than Master Chief, and the Doom Slayer is not particularly high. Yeah, and you know, like, unfortunately, we have the safe pick of like we probably are going to get a next gen Pokemon as well. And again, like we mentioned last time, you know, in terms of gameplay-wise, the Pokemon all play great, so that's not a worry. It's just a, the idea of an exciting rep, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that would actually be really boring. Get Scorbunny in there or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why not uh, that Chameleon? Sniper Rifle. Inteleon. Inteleon. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be interesting yeah. if it wasn't a starter this time. Yeah, it would be. Like a Lucario-type pick. Yeah, I don't know any of the next-gen Pokemon, though, because I don't You know, care. like, it, it's funny, you know, like, first three generations of Pokemon, I could probably name you all the Pokemon from memory, but, like, after I can't that, name one they all just sort of blend shield. together. Then again, I didn't play it, so it makes sense that I can't name them, but... You just yeah, named Scorbunny, what are you, you talking about? <laughs> no, I, I can't name one non-starter, yeah. Oh, ah, okay, yeah. Of course I know Scorbunny, that thing's adorable. <laughs> yeah. Why not, uh, what was that chameleon's name? Uh, Sobble. Sobble, yeah. Yeah, Sobble's Man, good too. Sobble, my Sobble point, is my I? pick. Yeah. Was Grookey the third one? Yeah, yeah it was uh, Grookey yeah. Gang, if I remember correctly. Actually, yeah. so Scorbunny's final evolution was like so overpowered, they actually like banned it in tournament play, I'm pretty That's sure. That's hilarious. Yeah. Can you imagine not being able to use your starters? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, Advanced Pokemon is just like a level too sweaty for me to even comprehend. That's just like... Yeah. Dude, I speaking of... This is a bit divergent, but speaking of sweaty, have you guys seen the um, the like complaints about score-based matchmaking in Call of Duty? I never get those complaints. Like, can they've you started elaborate? to make. A, yeah. So, okay. So, from my perspective, what it really looks like, and people, everybody is complaining about score-based matchmaking in casual in uh, Call of Duty, and. The you know well, what it looks like to me is a bunch of sweaty players want to win all the time, yeah. and they're getting paired against other sweaty players and complaining about it because that's that's what their posts look like a lot of the time. They're like, man, I just wanted to hang out and chill and win. I didn't want to play a bunch of sweaty players, and like that post, you know, has to come from another sweaty player. Like that, that's you know, you're okay, looking so in the mirror. Why is but- there just like a a social? matchmaking system and a ranked matchmaking system well that that's what it used to be but they wanted like 
they wanted people in casual to have a decent chance of winning. Like, like if I hopped on a Call of Duty game right now, any Call of Duty game I've ever played, my odds of doing decently have been extremely low because I'm not very good at Call of Duty, mm-hmm. or at least on console. And so, like, with score-based matchmaking, that means I'm going to be pitted against other people that are terrible at the game, like me. And I yeah. like that, even in casual. Like, in casual, having a 50-50 chance of winning, that's awesome to me, you know? But... Yeah. The other side of the coin that does kind of suck is that, like, my friend Antonio is extremely good. I am extremely bad. Right. If he and I want to play together, we're going to get matched against people who are extremely good. <laughs> the thing is, apparently Call of Duty's been using score-based matchmaking in some form since MW2. Yeah, and, like, it's just... It's even just been even so after what I just said... Like, I feel like if you play with your friend very much at all, you're going to end up at the same skill level eventually. Like, I I have no problem with score-based matchmaking in any... Because I play a lot of games that have score-based matchmaking. Yeah, I'm in favor of it pretty much all the time. Like, I definitely don't, like... I don't know. I like even games. Even games are always more interesting to me. Definitely more exciting, yeah. Like, I don't think I have an opinion either way on this, because I just don't play enough multiplayer for this to matter to me too much, but... Yeah, I don't play a... Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat, but I do... I have an opinion on it, but maybe that opinion's not earned, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Because I I don't play a ton of multiplayer games, because I'm not... I don't know, I played them a lot in high school, and I think this is a common thing. You play them a lot in high school, and you have all this time, and like limited funds so you're like yeah let me grab this one game that i'm gonna play for hundreds of hours and stuff and like get really good at and have fun but now i'm older and my time's a little more limited and also i have money and can play a lot of games and so i'd rather play these tight single player experiences that don't last quite as long right but i i do think there's something to be said you know like a lot of people just straight up prefer multiplayer games just because they love oh yeah, that's just my experience. Element, you know? I'm not saying right. that that's everybody. Yeah, yeah. Because I, my yeah, friend Antonio, a lot of people that I... to me, but he he'd still rather play Call of Duty for a couple hundred hours because that's what he's into, you know. Right. Yeah. And and for the record, his opinion is that skill based matchmaking is a good thing. Mm-hmm. No, it's mostly just sweaty people on the internet. Which. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's actually funny. This conversation came up uh, in the games I've been playing. One of the games I was going to talk about is actually Call of Duty Warzone been playing quite a bit of warzone with my cousin and his friend and uh people are very very sweaty online <laughs> oh yeah it's like you know like i'm i'm like a casual compared to these people it's just it's just absolutely wild like you you pop your head out for like one millisecond you get sniped from across the map you know oh yeah that sort of thing <laughs> but um but yeah another thing i kind of wanted to touch on maybe we could go through this briefly, is that uh, in terms of news, uh, PlayStation surprisingly, you know, just kind of shadow dropped today a look at their UI. And I do think, personally, I feel like it's very sleek and minimalist, and it might be my favorite U- console UI that I've ever seen. But that again, that's not really saying much. I mean, like... Yeah, I still U- think UIs are the Switch, but it's really good. See, the, U- the Switch UI, in my opinion, is good, but it's it's too minimal, I think. See, the only thing I don't like, and this is true of the, like, and I'm going to sound like a boomer here, but, like, even on, like, Steam, I'm, like, I click live, you know, I it's super obvious, like, you click library, you click game, you're in the game. Whereas, like, with Xbox and PS4 and stuff, like, you have all these icons on the screen at the same time, and, like, 
A PS4, I never really had this problem, but I've picked up an Xbox and had to like sit there and stare at it for a I minute have to try had to that figure out how to launch a game. With Xbox, I have had that problem with Xbox before. PS4, it's pretty clear because I think the game, like it, the squares or whatever, are in order of like your recently played. And and again, this problem will be further alleviated on PS5 because they have a games tab and a media tab. Yeah, so under games I, I think tab, the PS5 I think every- one. Yeah. To be clear, I think the PS5 looks excellent. The UI, I, I don't have any complaints about the PS5 UI, but yeah, I still I, think I prefer the Switch. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think, think Xbox has ever. Well, there was a good Xbox UI, the original 360 UI before they with did the like, blades. Like, yeah, yeah, the I really blade UI was those. really good. Yeah. And then the see, I don't. They completely don't ruined it with like the new one. Right, Connor's never had a 360, so he yeah. No, my know. only 360 experience was with the new UI, which is. The abysmal NTD. yeah the like, new AI yeah garbage no i remember when the 360 uh ui got updated i was like what is this why did the they do this game experience look at that was like when the characters. 360 avatars came out right yeah, no, yeah. right like was everyone avatars. was copying me's and like trying to integrate with connect and i was just like Ugh. Do P- does the 360 does the xbox still use avatars or is it like one of those features that just they exists? do i'm pretty sure they do why? yeah i mean they're not like in your face like they were before you know but like they they're still a thing so but yeah, just bizarre. getting back to the, the the PS5 UI, I think the thing that impressed me the most, even though I will probably like almost never use it, was just like the uh, the the picture in picture stuff they showed. So like like say your friend is like playing a game, they can start sharing, and you can instantly you know click on that and start watching what they're playing, and then just have it like pinned up. Like as you play it, I think that that's that is cool. That sort of integration is very cool. And I also thought like just the the party integration was cool. Like the fact that like you can see like when you bring up your PlayStation menu in mid game, you can be like, okay, your friends are here in this party and you're they're playing this game. You just click of a button and like we saw how fast that load time was. That was a cold boot when they switched from Sackboy to Destruction All Stars, and that booted in a matter of seconds. And I, I think that seamlessness is going to be really, really uh, cool yeah. to experience. Um, and I do have one concern about yeah. um, this was while they were playing Sackboy. They they opened up those menus and they were like, yeah, in some cases, like you can find your challenge and click on it and go straight to where the challenge is. And like, I see the use case for that. Yes. So I do. I did want to touch on that. Yeah. Like I think. So first of all, I feel like the only games in which that's that section of the UI is actually going to be populated is like Sony first party games. Like I don't think other developers yeah, are going to that. do the work to like like for each minute like section of the game, like each achievement or each you well, know also, story mission. Like it's a bad idea. Like because well, I mean I get the use case for it and all, and I think that the, the fact that it like shows you how long stuff takes to complete yeah. that's super neat. But like. Menus? I would never. I don't think I would ever use that stuff. Yeah, but I, I like fun. that it's there. I think menus are not fun, and like I see myself like going to this like wanting to complete a game or whatever, going to this menu and like just totally dissolving all the fun that I could have had with this game using this menu. Like, see, see the thing is, okay, so I think. One, I don't think I'll ever use that UI function specifically because, like, I don't really like looking things up about games I'm playing, even like time to play and stuff. Like, I like being surprised by game length and stuff like that. But, but the point is, I think for people like who aren't 
like as you know, I guess for lack of a better word, serious about gaming as we are, people who only like pick up one or two titles a year, people who treat gaming as like a very casual thing. Like I think it'd be very useful for them, like if they're playing and they're like, okay, I don't really know what to do here, or I don't know how to get this item, to just pop open that interactive game UI menu uh, and just get some hints that way. Yeah, that that seems it seems like a nice feature. Although, did they show anything of uh, like time played? I don't think so, and that would be a huge that's miss if they don't such, have that. That's something that every platform needs. If you don't Xbox have it, has that. Good. Nintendo has that. That's yeah. Like that's. Even does a, PS4 not have that? PS4 does PS4 not have that. that. Even like a wow. rough estimation. Is yeah, that nice. would be that would be a travesty. That's probably actually now that you bring it up, that's like my most desired like UI feature for yeah time time played in games. Like so even crazy, the Switch yeah. gives me like a rough estimate estimate of like you played Animal right. Crossing for two hundred hours ish. While we're on that note, why is it a rough estimate? Like I, I don't know. Because <laughs> there's no like, way they don't have the exact data number. To capture, you know? They don't want to really. They want you to hide your shame behind like oh he's only played a hundred plus hours. It's fine. Yeah, like there's no way that <laughs> no, the exact the number isn't there. Super weird because they like their arbitrary cutoff is like five hour intervals, right? Yeah. Like from what I've seen, right? Like it's like you've played fifty five hours or you've played sixty five plus hours. It's just like why not just like what's the point? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, just tell me the exact number like Steam does. Like yeah. yeah. Although Steam's isn't particularly accurate for some reason. Like I know a couple of games I have played more. It must have been an offline mode or something, which I thought it still tracked your time. But, like, I know I've played these games way more than they say I have. Yeah, I, I know for a fact the Switch tracks uh, time in offline. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe maybe you do have to be online for Steam. I don't know. Yeah, you do have to be online for Steam. <clears throat> but, yeah, overall... Anything done offline. I think the UI looks nice. I think it's functional. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, and I think these this is enhanced emphasis on like playing with your friends and stuff. Like obviously, for for someone like me who mostly plays sing, single player games, it's just like a nice add on. But for people who like their whole ecosystem is on PlayStation and they're playing Destiny or Call of Duty with their friends on PlayStation all the time, this these new features are going to be huge for them. Yeah, the game in game, like the the thing where you could watch your friend play and also play your game at the same time, that's huge to me because like yeah. that's something I've been doing lately on PC. I've hooked up a second monitor and like I'll just hop on with my buds and we'll stream whatever game we're playing, even though we're not playing the same thing. And I'll have theirs up on my second monitor while I'm playing mine. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of gives a gives a bit of a sense of that like LAN party feel. Like, it does, yeah. And that's so important <laughs> right now, like. You can't be in the same room, but maybe it's nice to feel like you are for a little bit, you know? Right, yeah. Services like Discord coming up with a, like, just sit in a voice chat and stream to each other. It's always nice, because you don't have to go through the hoops of getting, like, a Twitch or streaming on Twitch. Exactly. Or doing any of that complex stuff. Just I think anything that lowers the bar to entry for content creation, too. This is kind of unrelated, but, like, being able to record video and, like not have to buy a capture card. I don't, I don't understand how, like... Because I, I feel like PS4 kind of messed it up, right? Like, their their video recording and streaming stuff, because doesn't it, like, cut you off during cutscenes and stuff? I think mm. that's, like, up to the developer. You know, like, they that's, can specify if, like, they don't want this scene recorded for, like, story reasons or something like that. See, that's such a bad play, because, like... 
you could be say like the more people who can be doing content creation, the better, in my opinion. I and you're agree, just putting yeah. up a wall because you literally like if you have that restriction, you you don't get to do content creation because like yeah, I'm seen, not gonna watch a video that cuts out during all the cutscenes and stuff. Like so personally, I've I, I've seen this issue come up more with like Japanese centric developers and publishers. You know, like the most infamous being like I think. Persona uh, 5? Atlas with Persona, yeah. yeah. Like, they basically wouldn't allow any of the game to be streamed because they wanted to protect all spoilers, which is just a little silly. You it's know? a little silly because, like, the the people who, like, <laughs> are, are most likely to be content? revealing these spoilers are the ones with capture cards, you know? Like, yeah, and they're basically turning down free marketing for their game, which... As is, as an argument to this whole point, if you, if someone's looking up content for a game and you don't want to show it, that's a signal to me as like a consumer that I don't want to actually buy this game since it could be terrible after a certain yeah, and, point. Yeah, sort of like how Bethesda doesn't give out review codes yeah. early anymore. If like, you like embargoes block off or after like a halfway point in the game, I just don't want to buy the game because it could be awful. Oh yeah, I don't trust anything that like only lets you see the first half of the game because that tells me that the second half of the game is like... Final Fantasy 15. Well, level. no. Well, <laughs> the thing is, that's that's actually very common in like game previews for at least for like the AAA style games, right? Like most often, the previews are only from like the first you know section of the game. Like very very rarely do I see game previews come out with like things from like the latter half of the game. Like that's that's just I think the norm right yeah. now. And I, I think that's a shame because, like, you look at uh, Breath of the Wild is the example that comes to mind. A lot of the previews were of the um, the Great Plateau. Plateau, yeah, and that's great. The Great Plateau is a fantastic part of the game, and the rest of the game also happened to be fantastic. But the Great Plateau and the rest of the game are not very similar, in my opinion. Like, the Great Plateau has you solving all sorts of problems and puzzles and stuff that the hang glider immediately gets rid of. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be a hard swerve, but. You saying Breath of the Wild triggered something in my memory. Have either of you heard of Genshin Impact? I have. Yeah, I actually pulled it down and tried to play it. And I'll be honest, I was not in the biggest, like, good... I wasn't in the best mood to be trying new things. But, like, I'm on my base PS4, and mm-hmm. the frames dropped during the tutorial, and I turned it off, and I haven't gone back. <laughs> like, That's about right. Yeah, Just, I, I hear a lot of comparisons to Breath of the Wild for some reason. I'm have not, you played it? No, I haven't. I see, I see, I see why they're making those comparisons on YouTube for it all the time, and I'm just like, this seems neat, but I don't really know what this is. And it's, it's an MMO, so that inherently game. scares me. Yeah, I've seen people calling it a two out of ten, and I've seen people calling it a game of the year contender. Yeah, but I think the big thing is like whether Wait, or not. So is it can... an MMO? It's an MMO. No, right? it's an RPG. Oh, I thought it was a okay. No, it's a gotcha game, basically. Yeah, it's a gotcha like a... game over the top of a Breath of the Wild. Yeah, and and it doesn't do uh, much like um, Godfall or whatever, Phoenix mm-hmm. Rising, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't get what made Breath of the Wild so good, really, but it does make an interesting open world, if that makes sense, from what I've heard. Like, it doesn't have the super in-depth chemistry system and the awesome physics interactions and combat and stuff, but it does have a decent action RPG on top of a Breath of the Wild-style open world. See, okay, so... This might reveal uh, a little closed-mindedness from me, but I saw like a gaming article that was titled 10 Reasons Why Genshin Impact is Better Than Breath of the Wild, and I just saw that title. I was like, there's no way, and I didn't even click on it. 
Oh yeah, there's no way that's true. Yeah, it's not going to be better than Breath of the Wild unless you're like. I mean, I bet there are a lot of people in China who would like it more because gotcha games are huge there. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's interesting. Us. Me that it's it, it's surprising to hear that it's not an MMO. I totally thought it was an MMO. I don't think it has any multiplayer at all. Wow. It does. It has okay. co-op. Oh, it does. Okay. Well, I'd be down to play it a little bit if one of you try it, but. I mean, I, it's a, yeah, free to play. Yeah, I've been meaning to give it another life. shot because I've seen a bunch of like very high praise for it, but I just don't. I don't know. I got a lot of games on my backlog. I mean, I feel like so. So you say it's a gotcha game. So like their whole idea is to get you to spend tons of money on like random stuff, right? Yeah, random characters, I believe. Yeah, little anime girls. Uh, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't feel it. I, I don't like those. Yeah, and I what little gameplay I saw, it looked like the enemies were going to be like super tanky, and that I have very little patience. Even Breath of the Wild got a little tanky for my liking towards the end. I, I the feel like we should stuff. make a trend in gaming away from uh, away from like bullet sponges. Yeah, Lionels didn't bother me. It was like white and black moblins that really got to me because mm-hmm. they didn't feel like they earned that giant HP bar. <laughs> But so, Mike, you bring up a good point. You know, like bullet sponges are kind of bad, they but are. like at the same time, like for games like I guess Destiny and like MMO kind of bosses, right? Like, how else do you handle that? I'm, God, I'm just curious. You know, a lot of enemies. A lot of enemies is always better than one enemy with a giant HP bar. I hate, hate sitting there putting my mouse over top of someone's head and pulling the trigger See, for 45 like, minutes. I, I'm fine with bosses with lots of health, right? If their mechanics are interesting and like the fight yeah. evolves as, as it progresses and stuff, you know, but like they're, they're like, guys, I, yeah, go ahead. Have either of you guys been playing Sea of Thieves lately? No. Me and my friends got a little excited because they added in quote, in quotes, I say five new bosses. So we checked one out. And it took us 45 minutes to kill this boss. We had seen every single attack within five minutes. Oh, no. And yeah, it took an additional 45 minutes. And this wasn't just us. There were um, it was me and my two friends plus two other players showed up and helped us fight it, which I think its health is like based on how many people are there. So it's probably going to take about 45 minutes no matter how many people you have. And like. That wasn't fun. Like, we were just like, uh, there's no fruit left in the barrels. Uh, I gotta go <laughs> grab some new ammo. Yeah, because the combat's just not deep enough in that yeah. game to support. And uh, then we found out it didn't add five new bosses. It added five skins of one boss and then expected you to kill all five of those five times each to get all the loot related to that event. Dude, that's and like the that's most... the kind of thing that that's... Mike is... Like that has to stop. That's terrible. Yeah, that doesn't that's respect very time. terrible. That's the most games as a service thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it you was know? so and we we haven't touched it since then because it was so un like like we beat it once and we were like, <laughs> all right, you know, that was all right, I guess. That was I mean, not terrible. It wasn't really fun. We immediately said, like, well, we'll never fight that boss again. And, and then we found out that they're all five the same, and we were just like Oh This is fun. <laughs> oh, you know, just talking on like bullet spongy bosses, I'll never forget like before Destiny, the original Destiny game came out, like I played the beta and like the beta content was like a strike, which is like slightly longer than your average like story mission, right? And you can mm-hmm. play it with friends. 
And I remember the boss at the end of the strike just being this giant orb that like slowly drifted around, teleported, and you just like shot it a bunch. It was a bullet sponge, right? Like that's you, the lamest thing I've ever heard of. You you gunned it down for minutes on end and chipped away at its health, and like nothing really changed. And I was just like, okay, this is pretty lame. Yeah, no. And if you know, your like, boss fight lasts more than ten minutes, and it's not like a turn-based RPG, that's not a good boss fight. Like, yeah, and I think like a lot of games and service games. Ran, run into this problem even today you know like like a way of like their mini bosses and bosses are essentially just bullet sponges with very basic behavior right but i do th- want to give credit where credit is due to destiny because uh fast forward to now right like they still have some of those kinds of bosses but for the most part like raid bosses and even strike bosses have unique mechanics and like Yes, they're bullet sponges, but like as the fight progresses, the mechanics of the fight change and keep things interesting. And I think that's the way to fix this problem. Yeah. Maybe. It's just... I don't know. Boss fights and shooters just don't go great together, in my opinion. Yeah, no, It depends. Sometimes Overall, you can make like a good boss accurate. fight that has good mechanics, but a lot of devs are, well... Hate to say it, but lazy, and they're just like, oh, we'll just make a giant health pull on this thing. That's fun. Right? I don't know that lazy's the word. I think a lot of them just can't maybe figure out a better way to. Yeah, uninspired. I think is fair because like I, I don't like the word lazy ever for developers, except Nintendo, with uh <laughs> specifically with the Super Mario 3D All Stars uh release. Like Warframe has some interesting Honestly, boss that's fights. Not, that's not even lazy but... devs. That's a cheap developer, but. <laughs> You just have to yeah, integrate I, mechanics into there. I mean, I if so, it's been a while since I've played Destiny, but I encourage you guys if you're curious about like bullet sponge bosses in done right, in my opinion, like I would look up Oryx from Destiny One and Riven from Destiny Two. I think those two boss fights have really great mechanics, um, especially Riven. So, like Riven is the raid boss, uh, one of the raid bosses in Destiny Two. And, like, after you kill it and rip out its heart, like, the the encounter isn't over because you have to, like, leave the area before the heart, like, collapses and kills everyone. It's, it's like, a... It, it's, it's super cool. Like, I don't know. They, I think Destiny, in general, does a good job now of, like, bosses with insane amounts of health. I, you know who, you know who did uh, Bullet Sponges, right? Was Doom Eternal. There are a couple of enemies that are a little bullet spongy, and then the final boss of Doom Eternal is extremely bullet spongy. Mm-hmm. But the whole fight, it's like this giant thing you're fighting. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but it's its a giant demon. Uh, surprise. And um, you have all these small demons also attacking you, so like, it's basically just like the other encounters you've had in the game, plus a boss fight. And so like that extra tension, you know? And that yeah. was a fairly long boss fight with a fairly large health bar and that stayed interesting the whole time to me because i was having to make i was having to make decisions constantly i think i think the real problem isn't the health bar it's when you can get into a rhythm and the boss fight is already over like you've mastered this rhythm the fight is over minutes before you actually finish it that's the problem Mm -hmm. yeah it's when and i feel the same way about puzzle games if you know the solution and then it takes you five minutes to actually execute it. That's not a good puzzle, <laughs> or at least not a good mechanic. Like, yeah, not a. So yeah, that that comment on boss fights is really interesting. Where you're, 
you're sort of uh, being tested on what you know, right? And like, if you've mastered it and it still goes, it's it gets stale. I think the game that probably has my favorite boss fight of all time is Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice, the final boss. That final boss is the perfect final exam of you know everything you've learned in the game up to that point. And if there's even one thing you don't have mastered, you're just finished. Yeah, in that boss fight. Like, there's no room for error. Yeah, Souls fight. bosses typically have like very rational amounts of health to like test you. At least on new game. Once you get in the new game plus and stuff, right, then you I become. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, because I, you know, what I'm sitting here thinking of is like. People make fun of Mario fights and stuff because you do the same thing three times. But, like, yeah, that's how many, you know, if you can do it three times, you figured it out. Why would you do it more than that? Like, there's Mm no, it wasn't going to, you know, get harder. And sometimes there is a second phase with three more or something. But, like, if you can do it three times, then you can do it 150 times. Like, it's the same thing. Yeah. So... I agree that I, I haven't seen seen much of the Sekiro final boss. I actually have had it spoiled for me a little bit, although I've seen little enough of the game that it kind of means nothing to me. Yeah, it shouldn't really mean anything to you, especially considering that there's multiple, you know, story paths and stuff like that. But that looks like a good final boss. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, it was incredible. Like the the euphoria, the adrenaline I got when fighting and finishing that guy like that was unbelievable. Sekiro is an insane game, and I hope they make a sequel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we sort of veered into many directions we with that very much veered. But uh, I think I think initially we were just talking about the PS5 UI. Yeah, it, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we meandered a good bit, but that's fine. But no, that's good. Yeah. But I, I, I kind of like to move into horror games. If yeah, you yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Spooky. Yeah. yeah it's so spooky. it's October right now. It's like the middle of October when we're recording this, and. You know, it's it's getting about that time, that spooky time. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I've already binge-watched both The Haunting of Hill House again and The Haunting of Bly Manor. Not so going to say anything, but I changed my Animal Crossing music to spooky music. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I've done in Animal Crossing all in the last two months was change my music in my house. My neighbors so, are nice and decorated. Oh, nice. Well, I was, I was going to say, I haven't consumed any horror content yet except for a video game which i actually i started consuming horror content in august but yeah do you do you want to talk about yeah. your game first well i've been playing resident evil 7 biohazard right so uh, i had... see i i tried to start that because it got added to game pass i think that was back in august and i i don't like it really <laughs> i i think i think it's incredible personally i didn't find it scary at all it was just kind of gory like the jump scares did nothing for me it didn't really spook me that much and like something about it like I, I got I didn't get super far into the game but I got to a part where like the guy the the man is wandering the halls and like yeah. you're supposed to sneak around and go somewhere like I think you're looking for a phone or something I can't remember I, I, I really can't remember and I was just like I don't really like this and I uninstalled it okay I yeah I think you were still like <laughs> in the sort of tutorial I'd, section I'd, of the game i'd fought the girl oh okay okay so then you just got into the house okay yeah yeah i had fought the girl yeah no, i was so, at the dinner table it was right after i was at the dinner table so i i'm having a blast with this game i think it's super scary but my fear tolerance is also very low i get scared very easily 
So maybe that's a part of it. But it's but but here's the thing. So like this game has full VR compatibility. God, on PlayStation, it doesn't yeah, have it on anywhere else. On PlayStation, yeah. <laughs> but like playing this game in VR is probably the single scariest thing I've ever done in my life. And like so much so that I can't play it in VR. Like I'm just playing it normally now. Like the VR version is just too scary. It's because like you're in it, you know, like you feel like you're in it more so than when you're just playing from a first person perspective. Yeah, that's why I'm excited to play uh, Phasmophobia because it has VR support. Yeah, oh, I have to buy yeah. that. I'm yeah, just, right just now. talking <laughs> about horror in general, I, I definitely feel like VR is like endgame horror, you know, like. That's yeah. what horror has been trying to achieve all these years, actually putting you in that scary house, actually like putting you in that situation, being chased by like a monster, you know? See, I have a super high tolerance for horror, I think, especially in games. I, I kind of this is probably not a super popular opinion or I don't think it'll be unpopular. It's really just the way games hit me. But like things that are actionable are not super scary to me. like. If I can do anything about it, it's not that scary. Like, I just go into, like, got to get this done. Like, got to, you know, I got to do it. No, I don't really have a choice here. And it doesn't bother me that much. Like, it it bothers me a little bit. But, like, I don't know. Like, I played a a game a while back. I think I talked about it on the podcast called Blair Witch. And I spent a lot of that game in that mode. But that game worked for me because it was largely a walking sim. Mm Mm-hmm. But once you introduce guns and like shooting at the monster and stuff, it kind of stops being scary yeah, at all think, to me. I think yeah, that, that ruins horror for me. Yeah, I think it, it's a fine line, especially when it comes to games. If you give the player too many tools to fight back against what's scaring you, then it sort of just becomes an action game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like, I think you know, like the best horror games like toe that line very well. You know, like some tools to resist, but like at the same time, like you know, you can't like. You're you're not invincible, right? Like you're very vulnerable, even with like guns or weapons or whatever you're given. I'm also far more scared of something that is like extremely difficult to understand. And like Resident Evil Seven, like I don't know why they're immortal, but like it was immediately obvious. Like, hey, these guys don't die. That's their whole shtick. And suddenly it just kind of like the I don't know the mystery just didn't bring me in too much. Yeah, I I, I won't like there is a mystery element to RE7, but like I will say that like the more I play it, the more unnerving and bizarre the game gets. Yeah, I do think like late like the section I just played a couple nights ago, by far the scariest section of the game, way scarier than anything in the first like maybe I'll give it another chance half of the game I played because I am itching for a scary game. But yeah, like I I. I do think, and especially, like, if you factor in VR, like, I don't think anything really comes close to the experience of VR. Horror. And you're playing it all the way through in VR? I'm not. I'm too scared. Oh, okay. Like, I tried it, and I'm playing it in, in uh, you know, just with a controller now. I think the camera might have made me a little motion sick, too. I can't remember. There was, like, some small thing that I had trouble looking past. Yeah. I, I the the at least the VR settings are highly adjustable. You might want to check the options if you give it another shot. Uh, yeah, I might. Can, you're you're kind of making me want to, but but yeah, like the the house, like not not to talk too much about this game because like 
I want to talk about horror more broadly, but like the game definitely just gets more and more bizarre and eerie the more you play, I think. And I think that's definitely like a positive. And I do want to say like just in terms of Resident Evil, like I'm not like super into the series like a lot of people are. But as far as I understand, RE7 is seen by a lot of people as like a return to form because like I think five and six were like just basically action games. Yeah. So I and I and judging from what I've seen of RE8 Village, you know, all the previews for oh, that, it seems scary, like it's yeah. it's going to be very it's going to continue, you know, it seems like Resident Evil's back basically. Uh <clears throat> and um I think that's re- really exciting, especially uh, I think we had RE3 remake come out earlier this year. We're probably going to get RE4 remake next year. Hopefully. And we'll have like a huge and RE4 is seen by a lot of people as like one of the greats of all time. So, I think it, yeah, it's it's a good time to be a horror fan. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Um, especially because I think game horror is kind of evolving to be smarter a little bit. Not that it's ever. I think game horror has actually typically been one of the smartest genres in games. Like if you look back at like Silent Hill. So yeah, Silent Hill is pretty revolutionary. When, when I think of Silent Hill, I think of, like I didn't know this for a long time. I played Silent Hill for the first time like within the past 6 months, I think. And like that's a smart game. Like I, I don't think it I think it's very hard to go back to. Like some of the puzzles are really Mhm. I don't know, maybe I just don't have the head for it, but I liked Silent Hill a lot. No, that's definitely like a that's not an unusual opinion by any means. Yeah. I do think... Uh, I do want to see a horror game by Hideo Kojima, especially after... Yeah, have, I, have either of you guys played P.T.? Yes. I, I have played P.T. I didn't... I didn't like it, I think, as much as everyone else did, but I was very much excited for the idea of a full game coming from it. And then, of course... Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and, of course, he was working with Guillermo del Toro, and that didn't pan out for whatever reason. But, you know, now that he's on his own, he can do whatever he wants. Maybe after he got the weirdness out of his system with Death Stranding, we're going to see a, him return to that horror idea. Well, well, I hope he does weirdness. always had weirdness in his system. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're I, Kojima's right. weirdness is super conducive to horror, in my opinion. Like, uh, the Psycho Mantis fight is so famous in Metal Gear Solid. Right, yeah. And that's totally horror. Yeah, okay, so you guys know what I mean, though, right? Like, Death Stranding oh, yeah. is weird even for Kojima, <laughs> Yeah, I will say. And I, I, while I'm on that <clears throat> note, I love horror sections and non-horror games, like the piano in Super Mario 64. The yeah. uh, there's, a, there's a horror level, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a horror level in A Hat in Time oh, that yeah. really... That, that actually really got to me the first time I played it. It didn't really hold yeah. up. <clears throat> yeah, stealth, stealth horror sections are, the, are really good. Like, I, I've been but, reading... Not I've I haven't been really reading spoilers so much just as to like what I can expect from Demon Souls because I haven't ever played it and it's getting remade for PS5. A lot of people say that it's like closer to a horror game than any of the other FromSoft games, and I find that really, really closer than Bloodborne. Yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> I, oh, I just and love- by the way, Connor, you mentioned you love like you know the unknown as like a theme in horror. You've got to play more of Bloodborne. Like yeah, I know, I know. That's that's right up your alley. I've been meaning to. Actually, October's a good month for it. I've been kind of waiting for it to get uh to be Dark Souls season. You know, what does that mean? I, I like to play. I don't know. I like it to be cold and like. Is that what Dark Souls season? Kind of dreary and okay. yeah. I gotta be immersed. You know. 
I more but, uh, I more prefer horror that's like in the human condition horror. Like I really liked Observer. Because it's, Observer. It, it's a cyberpunk horror. Yeah. Like it's a horror that you aren't sure if you're sane or not the entire time. Ooh, yeah. Because you're walking yeah, through this good. apartment complex full of like augmented humans that are affected by almost this virus. Oh my god. I and I'm gonna spoil you just uh, kind of it's it's so weird because you don't expect horror. You're just like a detective walking through there, voiced by uh oh uh, what's his name? It's real famous. I think he did the main character of Blade Runner. Can't remember his name though. For the life of me. But you run around and originally it's like, oh, you just gotta investigate what happened to your son, and then you jack into someone's head. Like you jack into a corpse. <laughs> and it gets so much more serious from there. <clears throat> yeah, cyberpunk horror, that's kind of like, I've never even thought of those two things together, but that definitely has potential. Yeah, I mean, Black Mirror level stuff, basically. Yeah, you can, and that's do, good. Yeah. you can do a lot of stuff with the pretense of, like, jacking into a human mind. Yeah. That I, I like on the verge of insanity. Relatively short experiences. I really like short, scary stories. Uh, there's actually a subreddit I read called Short Scary Scor- Stories that I like a lot. But there's one indie game I played on itch.io. It was free. And this was this was like back in like 2016, I think. So there's no way that I could find this game. Otherwise, I'd plug it because it's excellent. But So I'm just going to spoil the whole thing. But it's like sure. you, you, you wake up on this spaceship. And the first thing the computer tells you is that there are no vital signs. You're the only thing on this ship. You can't, you know. There's nobody else going to help you, and you're like, you got to repair this ship or you're never going to get to your destination because something's gone wrong. And you go around this whole ship repairing it and repairing it and stuff and fixing everything. And finally, the last thing you have to do is you have to, like, get into um, the lodging, I think. There's something you need from uh, the lodging. And you go into lodging and you find the dead crew and a mirror and you realize you've been playing a tiny robot the entire game. And that, like... Yeah, you you come across I like, a mirror. And I that, like, like that. Kind that of... jump scared me. I jump scared myself in this game, and it felt so bad. Yeah, when you uh, when you mentioned horror in space, my mind immediately goes to Dead Space. I've actually You're never played Dead Space. Dead Space didn't do it for me either. I, I really? wanted to like it. I need to give it another shot, but I it didn't scare me. Wow. Yeah, I I, I often hear really good things about Dead Space. What did? I, With I the think, exception of Dead Space Three, apparently three. Yeah, that, that game's buns. But um, I think PC is kind of just getting a little more abstract. I've been talking about a lot of specific games, but I think PC is the most conducive platform to horror, and I don't really think that about a lot of genres. But like, PC games are not afraid to get meta on you a lot of the time, and I always like that. Like your your Doki Doki Literature Clubs, your yeah. um, you can do even a Undertale lot of, like, a little bit. External files and putting external files in places. Well, one of my favorite, my, actually my favorite horror game ever is uh, a game called Anatomy. Uh, it's a really obscure indie game. At least I think it's really obscure. I hadn't heard of it until a YouTuber that is known for talking about obscure games told me about it. Uh, shout out to Errant Signal. Um, and shout out to Kitty Horror Show who made this game, but it's called Anatomy, and it's uh, its tagline is Every House is Haunted. And you basically walk through all these... You walk through this one house while all these audio recordings of a fairly creepy voice talking about a house as though it's a living being happens. And this this whole experience is probably less than 20 minutes. 
but the game closes itself periodically. It just crashes, and you have to make that what? conscious decision to turn it back on every time. And it's it just that's keeps really unique. Scar- and every time you turn it back on, it gets scarier and scarier. And you have to keep making that decision to go back in. And that really did it for me. I love yeah, that game. That building of tension. It's like, it's like $3 on itch.io. I can't recommend it enough. It's the best horror experience I've ever had. See, I, I think this is a fascinating dis- discussion just because, like, thinking about it a little bit, you know, like, horror is, like, more personal than, like, pretty much any other genre. I think of games yeah, you have because to find like what scares you yeah. exactly like what scares people is different from people to people right like so like what what I find a scary game you might not find a scary game and vice versa so I, I think it's fascinating discussing like maybe like talking through this we can kind of get some insights into what we consider scary like yeah for me Five Nights at Freddy has scared a lot of people but it never scared me personally like at no point was I like jumping out of my seat. Yeah, or like I think Amnesia is a really smart game in that respect because it kind of throws a lot of stuff against the wall. Like you've got those like for the people that are afraid of a monster, you've got like the scary uh, humanoid monster thing. For the people who are more scared of like an idea, you have the insanity feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, for those kind of afraid of like the supernatural, you have like the shadow monster thing. And then there's all that corridor that has the water monster that I refuse to believe didn't make every single person who played that game piss their pants. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, yeah. Uh, and then you have Amnesia 2 for a boring game that isn't scary at all. Oh, yeah. A machine See, for pigs. Yeah, that game's terrible. You know, so just yeah. I, I've just been thinking while we're talking, like, just sort of, sort of, I guess, psychoanalyze myself here. I think the reason I find Resident Evil 7 in particular so scary is that I think insane people are scarier than most things to me. Like, scarier than any monster. Like, actual humans that are just... Yeah. Like, you know that, like, you look in their eyes and you can see that something's just not right. And, like, Resident Evil 7 is, like, full of that. See, Uh, the thing that's scary to me is, like... Like, I think of the G-Man from, like, Half-Life, like, this, like, being toyed with, and, like, mm-hmm. like someone who knows something you don't, and is, like, using it to just, like, mess with you, and you have no yeah. idea that it's happening, and you, like, you just don't get to understand what's going on, that gets, that's what scares me, I yeah, think. Yeah, I like being, like, completely unaware of what's going on, or something being so uncanny or weird that you just have no collection or can't process it because that's what observer did to me observer was a lot of what's going on here why why is this man like hallucinating why are they eating yeah. him now i think the thing that scares me the least is like a monster <laughs> like, yeah mon- monsters typically I, have to be yeah i monsters have to be done really well to be scary i think but i think a, a, a big aspect to monsters would be like the unknown aspect right like what you mentioned before like the monsters in bloodborne were terrifying because like like let me rephrase the early monsters in bloodborne were not scary in my opinion but some of the later bosses are absolutely horrifying because you know like the extent of your knowledge in that game is so low, like ev- like things are just so far beyond your understanding, you can't even begin to comprehend what's going on, and that's scary. 
Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm into that. I need to finish that game. Like you, okay, so I, I, I'm purposefully dancing around the word because I don't want to spoil it for you because I don't know if you know what Bloodborne's really about. I know it's Lovecraftian. Okay, so you, you're aware that there's like a cosmic horror. Yeah, and I know there's like okay. an insanity thing. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. So then, 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 yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so I was referring to like the later game bosses when you're fully aware that like, so the, the beautiful thing about Bloodborne is like, uh, you start the game and okay, it's like this is like a g- gothic Victorian England kind of like you know Jack the Ripper kind of kind werewolf of sort of you know like horror game, and you're like okay, this is really cool. The architecture is beautiful and like very imposing, and like you know exactly what kind of game this is. But as you keep playing, like the layers keep peeling back, and you realize what kind of game this actually is, and it's just astounding. I think yeah, Bloodborne's easily one of the best horror games ever made one of the best games ever made by my estimation surprise horror games are also very good doki doki literature club probably falls in second for my favorite horror game of all time so what is that game about because that does not sound like i cannot tell you i will if you have not played doki doki literature club i refuse to tell you what it's about i need you to not look it up at all It's a free game, and you will download it when this podcast is over, and you will talk to me and Mike about it tomorrow. <laughs> because I'll do it, it. Yeah, sure. It's, it's so good, and you have to stick it out because you're not going to like the beginning of that game. Okay, okay. It's a it's a visual novel, and I it, it, you got to stick it out. It's extremely. You played it, right, Mike? I've seen enough of it that I've pretty much played through all of it. Yeah, I, I have played through it. I've watched the, the game Grumps play through it. I've watched friends play through it. I love that game, and I wish Dan Salvato would do more of it. It's free, you say? Didn't he do... It is free. It's free on Steam. It's free on Itch.io. Who did I think. Pony Pretty Island? Cool. I don't know who did Pony Island. That's not bad either. But yeah, like, PC games, I like um, No Players Online. That was a good. That was a decent horror experience. I, I just think PC is super conducive because, like, There's I don't know. It's out of game, like. But I think PS1 is also super conducive to horror because the visuals weren't. Refined. I think horror gets worse as fidelity gets better in a lot of ways. I understand that argument, and I, I think it's true to an extent, but I think as. As visuals get better, horror techniques have also gotten better in games. I think. Well, I just, not necessarily, but the like more I, I feel hand like that you show the worse. There's more to horror than just visuals. I think a lot of it's the imagination and like. Yeah. Again, like you mentioned before, the unknown. Yeah, and I prefer not those seeing elements monster. Yeah. If, if there's going to be a monster, it's way scary to me if I don't see it. Also, right. good sound. The thing we haven't talked about: sound design and horror. Something I love. Oh my oh, god! That's yeah. Critical. Oh, I yeah, love sound design and horror because that's just as, if not more important than the visuals, I would argue. As someone who loves making horror sounds and looking yeah. into how they're made, there is like an art to it almost. Yeah, part of the reason. So, like, I played Resident Evil Two Remake, and that was my first experience with Resident Evil Two. I played it last year, and one of the reasons I loved that game so much was because, uh, like, halfway through the game, uh, someone starts pursuing you. And he's basically, like, he's not really scary, you know, physically, right? Like, he's basically this tall, imposing... Yeah, tall... You you know what I'm talking about, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Tall, imposing, like, emotionless man 
who you can't kill who just follows you around right and you have name? to run you can't, you can't kill him you have to run away right and like as you're in different sections of the police precinct and like other areas of the game you can hear faint footsteps and you know he's coming closer and closer and you just have to put distance between you and him and do what you need to do before he catches you and that that sort of tension that resident evil 2 creates is incredible in my opinion yeah uh i haven't played resident evil 2 but that sounds exactly like sax in um metroid fusion which scared the crap out of me as a kid yeah are you all familiar with that game no no i'm actually not i i think it's probably the most horror that metroid ever did uh and uh, SAX is, um, at the very beginning of the game, you're infected with something called the X-Parasite. And in order to get it off of you, they both have to inject you with Metroid cells from the baby Metroid, from Metroid 2. Yeah. And they also have to strip off most of your suit because it's inf- uh, too infected. SAX is the parasite basically cobbling together those suit parts into a second Samus that is far more powerful. It can one-shot mm. you. And it um, basically it just shows up, and you have to run from a far more powerful version of yourself several times in the game. That's cool. Yeah, and it I, I'm I'm not doing it justice because it actually does like it's horror. It's not it's not just a scary bit in a non horror game. They they clearly wanted Sax to be terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like a like gremlin scenario sometimes. It's echoey footsteps. It's like hiding and hoping that they don't check where you're hiding. It's yeah. all that. And you never know when they're going to pop up. They're, like A lot of the time it's forecasted a little bit, but there are a few times in the game that SAX just happens to be waiting for you in a room that's in your path. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, like, I don't know, like just talking, like I've never really had this discussion before, but just talking about these horror games, like I feel like horror is probably one of if not the most creative like genres you can take on in gaming because there's yeah, so many ways to do it games well that are just like i mean so many games fail to do it right slender like, like yeah. i don't know i was pretty scared by slender but yeah i'm sure you were yeah <laughs> i'm a baby it's games that like you can do horror good and then you can do horror like oh it's just youtube bait because yeah lot like of, a lot of like those acclaimed horror games like, they were just pretty much cr- content creator bait. Yeah, jump scares are just lazy, in my opinion. Like, there's a there's a place for them, but if that's all you've got, you've got nothing. Yeah, yeah. like it's Observer very surface made level. good use of jump scares while also like exploring the human psyche and like yeah. other cyberpunk themes. I'm much more interested in feeling uneasy than feeling scared. Because you're I think. basically yeah. in like tension. Tension's a big part. Yeah. Of it. Like, Observer uh, puts you into, like, a cyberpunk, almost ghetto. Like, it's low income, everyone's poor, and yeah. everyone's suffering, and you're like, oh, this is spicy. Uh, I want to give one more shout-out uh, while we're on the topic of horror, and unfortunately, it's not a game you can actually play. It's a, it's a YouTube series that follows a fictional PlayStation 1 game. Uh... It's weird. It's like a horror let's play, except it's a game that doesn't exist. That's wild. <laughs> and it's extreme. Yeah. So like the events of the let's play <clears throat> and the events in the game are sort of intertwined as like a full horror narrative. And uh, it's, it's hard to explain why it's so good, but it's just the best. It's called Pet Scop. 
P-E-T-S-C-O-P. It's not terribly long, and I would recommend it to anyone in the mood for some good horror. It will absolutely put you on edge, and I do not believe it. It I don't think at any point resorts to a jump scare. I'm pretty sure it just is extremely unsettling. unsettling. And unsettling. Yeah. yeah, horror done right is just is just incredible. I think I think horror done right is 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 so much more evocative of just your humanity. It just sticks and other you. things. Yeah. yeah, it really just gets under you. Yeah, now, there's a lot of really good horror games, but they're always outshone in like. Yeah, horror is just not the most popular genre by in, like anything low effort yeah. horror games like. Or horror games. Have you guys seen? Keep churning out. Uh, the original Amnesia devs are uh, putting out an, uh, another Amnesia game. I think this one's actually Amnesia Two. Amnesia Machine for Pigs was not Amnesia <clears throat> Two. I don't really know. But uh, Amnesia Machine for Pigs was made by a different studio, uh, which is why it wasn't very good, I guess. Dark Descent. What was that? Was the first one, right? Dark Descent's the first one. That game's phenomenal. Yeah, I got it. I, I own it. Like, I haven't played it. It has some excellent side stories. Um, it'll scare your pants off, but, uh, I, I hope Amnesia 2, or whatever, whatever the new one is, I hope ends up being as good as Amnesia 1. Because the Machine for Pigs, I was so excited for, I bought it day one. And, like, there are points where you're in a room with the monsters and they just don't even look at you. Like, (laughs) the moment that happened, the rest of the game had no chance of being scary anymore. Like, it just kind of took me so out of it. Yeah, it kind of sucks when, like, your horror concepts are let down by failures on, like, a technical side. Yeah. Oh, Subnautica's a good horror game. Ooh, yeah. I, Subnautica, I, that's also yes. My that is one of those unintentional horror games. Yeah, I, I don't even know if I've ever been super scared in Subnautica, but I've definitely been tense, and that's good enough for me. Oh, no, like, Subnautica's yeah. literally, like... I, I need to finish it really bad. I, I think I talked about it on the podcast, but there are a couple things in Subnautica where you just have to, like oh, you're deeper than you've ever been, and, like, it's super spooky, and, like, you don't really understand what's going on, and, like, I, I think the actual narrative of the game is pretty scary, too. I'm not going to spoil any of it, but, like, as a concept, it's quite scary. And then, oh, you need a new suit to dive deeper or something. Better go back up to the surface and dig through scrap for an hour and a half. That'll be fun, right? The game And then I'm loop. like, <laughs> Alt F4, this is terrible. I'll watch a Let's Play. <laughs> like... <laughs> They really lost me on that. I, I, I'm I actually really frustrated because the good part of that game is amazing, but the bad part of that game is like watching paint dry. Yeah, the you know? resource gathering should have been more streamlined. I don't have a problem with resource gathering. My problem is, like, I think that's even fun enough. Like, I have to remember where these resources are, but, like, the looking grinding. for blueprints. It's looking for blueprints that I find super boring. Like, going along these totally safe areas on the surface, essentially... With the exception of, like, one Leviathan that I've pretty much figured out how to avoid. And, like, just looking around until I finally find the right thing to scan. That's not fun. I'm not having a good time. Yeah. The game really suffered in just that respect. Yeah, I wonder if Below Zero was better. Below Zero hasn't even launched it, has it? I thought it had. I don't think so. I do but think yeah, it's, I really it, like I, I want to finish it really bad because the the under like when I'm taking my cyclops down deeper than I've ever been, and like it's dark and I'm 
a little yeah. tense because I, you know, I only have a certain amount of clean water and food with me. And I'm watching my health. I'm watching the monsters. I'm watching my electricity. And then I find out that, oh, you haven't been down here that long and you can't go any deeper and you have to go back up and blah, 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 blah. It, kill, it kills the mood entirely. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, I don't know. I think in general, like, horror games have it tougher than other genres like the the balancing act in terms of like the player experience you know like if you if there's even one step wrong that could turn a player off completely you know like oh yeah you know like i'm i'm pretty convinced resident evil 7 is a really good game but like that first section didn't scare you so you turned it off and never went back you know like horror games like i feel like there's less of a chance for them to make mistakes yeah i agree you, you really have to be drawn in at the beginning and like I'm somebody who gets drawn... I'm a sucker for good narrative, and I didn't really care about the characters in Resident Evil 7. Right, yeah. And so, yeah, I like, mean, I still don't really yeah. care about the characters, to be perfectly honest. I mean, That's not Resident really, Evil yeah. 7 was Resident Evil's return to its roots of survival horror past whatever campy, punching boulder nonsense happened in the last three games in the series. I think it was 5 and 6, right? 5 and 6 I think were the 6 ones is where he punches the boulder. That's, yeah, that's like the not jump sure. the yeah. shark moment of Resident Evil. Like, that's the point where it's, oh, this is no longer survival horror. This is, like, a bizarre action movie. Yeah, yeah, 5 and 6 are pretty much looked down upon, but, like, it, it, it seems like Capcom knows what they're doing now, so that's that's pretty exciting. Who owns Silent Hill? Is that Konami? Yep, it's Konami. Yes. PT was okay. actually going to be a Silent Hill, like, reboot. Right, yeah by kojima and then they uh, that would have been could you imagine how good that game would have been oh yeah like, that, that just that incredible. first sequence like that i think it's like the prologue isn't it just that P sequence is good yeah P well, pt like it's not even a prologue it was just like a standalone concept sort of meant to illustrate what they were going for with their next game but that ne next game never came and it felt good like everything about pt felt good it didn't feel yeah and I think, to, to speak to PT's strength a little bit, I've had friends who are not into gaming at all. Like, they don't own any game systems, don't play video games at all. Uh, message me and be like, have you heard about this PT thing? I looked it up on YouTube, and it's super scary. And that, to me, tells me that Kojima was onto something pretty special there. I think video games have the highest um, potential for horror. I 100% agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like horror movies, and I, think, I love a good horror book. I mean, it just makes but, sense. The more you up the interactivity, the yeah. the, the scarier the scary thing is going yeah, to be. Especially, like you, know? you were saying, VR is like, VR horror is Is just, peak horror, I think. Yeah. Like, I, I firmly believe that. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Horror in itself is a very subjective genre, and what one person finds horrifying, another might find, like, funny or... Just Case hilarious. in point, I find everything terrifying, and Connor finds almost nothing terrifying. I find body I'm a difficult horror not terrifying. Body horror is actually kind of like intriguing, less less so horrifying. Yeah, more actually, like bo body horror doesn't bother me at all. That's like one thing that doesn't mess with me even a little bit. So you you can believe what you will when I say this, but like gore, I want to say it doesn't really scare me, but I don't like it. Gore is a, like. Gore in games doesn't bother me too much, but, like, really gory live-action movies and stuff kind of turn me off. Like, I, I kind of just don't want to watch anymore. Did you ever see Midsummer? 
No, I haven't. Okay, don't watch that. <laughs> watch that, yeah. Say my, my girlfriend really wants me to watch Midsummer. I think. So I mean, I'll probably. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's not. It's like, an incredible. Let me don't get me wrong. It's an incredible movie, but like it, the the horror and it, and the flavor of horror in that movie is incredibly unique. But there is like insane gore in that movie. It's not something I can't get past, but like my cousin really wants me to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But yeah, that just the, chainsaw, the chainsaw scene in Scarface just it made me uncomfortable in a way that isn't like the enjoyable, like unsettling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I just don't like seeing that stuff. Like, you know? Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it like really I, affects me. But the only one that really did was that one scene in Midsummer. And Mike, if if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, okay. If it's I just thought, the one scene, you you then it's probably tasteful, I heard and I would like it. But yeah, it, it's literally just one scene. Yeah. Then it's probably like important to the plot, I guess. Like it definitely. Is. I don't like is when like it's a ghost story, but for some reason the ghost pops a dude's chest open. Like that's not. <laughs> Oh, what was that movie where that, that guy stuck his hand in a blender? Was that uh Oh uh, that was uh unfriended? Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's like, oh, this is horrifying. Someone someone out there found that movie horrifying, but I just watch it and I laugh at it because it's bad. Like sometimes it's like, oh, the ghost of the social media girl is causing me to stick my hand in a blender that is conveniently yeah, placed that's in dumb. front of my computer. <laughs> the blender in front of your computer. What kind of person that's keeps a blender in their room? Oh, I really like, I, I think you and me actually watched this movie together, Amid, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Just so speaking of horror, we like, I guess we're kind of really off topic now yeah we're not even talking about video games <laughs> we've lost no, I I mean, just like I, horror. Lost yeah, i'm just in the mood for some good horror yeah now. yeah i mean i've i've seen very few horror movies but the ones i have seen i think are very very good and are regarded by like enthusiasts to be among the best yeah like yeah her uh have you guys seen hereditary that movie no. scared the pants off of me my god okay but yeah i think yeah i think that's a that's a pretty good discussion on horror, and obviously we can do some more if we're playing more horror games, uh, you know, as Halloween's coming up and stuff. Yeah, I'll probably still be doing horror well into November, because the world is terrifying right now, so. Yeah, I'd just be more <laughs> terrified of something else. I don't need horror games right now, because the 2020's been terrifying enough. Yeah. I gotta stretch Halloween out, because I don't get a Thanksgiving this year. Yeah. No, low-key, though, like, Halloween is the best holiday, I think. I, I've it's always really Halloween. Halloween. This is just a, a view into my life, but Halloween is like the only day of the year historically that I get like drunk, drunk, and like actually party. Yeah, and I I love Halloween. Yeah, I I just love the whole like, I just love dressing up honestly and having it okay that everyone dresses up too. That's always mm-hmm. just really appealed to me. Yeah, yeah. it's I think my quarantine hair for me to go like out. And like a chicken onesie or wearing a gas mask or something stupid. And Dude, have it be I, like 100% acceptable, yeah. you know? I think last year I went as a plague doctor. Like I showed up to oh, an yeah. ADM concert as a plague doctor and it was perfectly normal. <laughs> Dude, if this quarantine keeps up, I'm going to have pretty solid Breath of the Wild Link hair uh, by Halloween next oh, year. Really? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and I'll be able to pull that off. So that'll be nice. Uh, you guys <sighs> want to move into games we've been playing? Yeah, yeah, sure. I want to go first. Okay. I... Okay, okay, stop. 
You've been hyping this up for like weeks now, so this better. Yeah, deliver. and it's gonna it's gonna better be, be kind of lame. Take. It's gonna be yeah. It might be a little lame now because I've hyped it up too much. But I pulled down an emulator and I have been playing Banjo Kazooie. Oh, nice! And, and it's a it. bad game. I agree. <laughs> Monster. Well, okay. Chewie so here's better. the thing. I disagree with that, but I also think that like my uh, nostalgia for that game is so high. That like, I just, if I played it for the first time today, I might not like it either. Yeah, I was I was playing through it, and the whole time I'm playing through it, I'm just like, wow, this is Spyro, but the controls aren't very good. Like, that's all I got. Like, and I I gave it a lot of chances. I played. What through, level did you get to? I played through Mumbo's Mountain. I played through Treasure Trove Cove. Terrible level, by the way. Treasure Trove Cove is the worst. I hated I like every Treasure moment of Treasure Trove, Trove Cove. Cove. Huh? I like Treasure Trove too. I couldn't stand it. That's where I got filtered last time I tried to play this game. And then I moved on to um, Cranker's Crank Cavern. Clanker's that one's Cavern. probably my least favorite level. I liked it. It was probably my favorite so far, but I still didn't like it very much. Mm. I honestly, I actually agree with Connor. Clanker's here. Yeah, I just don't. It really is just like, and a little bit of this might have been my emulator, you know, but like. These controls don't feel good. And and I know I said that about Super Mario 64 too, but Super Mario 64 is a joy to go back and play today. And I still like super enjoy it and everything. But these controls for Banjo-Kazooie, like, I just didn't like them. They felt bad. Like, everything felt wrong all the time. Like, I, I just <laughs> felt like they weren't working with me. They were The controls were working yeah, I don't know. every step. Like, a lot of the challenges were, like, these super simple platforming things. But the only reason they were hard is because the controls were awful. Yeah, I mean, I've gone back recent, like when I say recently, I mean in like the past four or five years, and replayed all of Banjo Kazooie, and I still enjoyed it as much as I did when I was a kid. So I'm obviously the wrong, like I can't bash it like you are. But I, th- I do think like a big part of it, like I think objectively speaking, its controls aren't as good as some of its contemporaries. But I do think the nostalgia factor and just like yeah. I played that game on N64 when it came out and it stuck with me. I feel like all of that definitely contributes to my love uh, I, of the series. Honestly, on Kazooie, I actually prefer Tui more because Tui improved everything that was bad about Kazooie. Like, See, uh, I, 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 lo- I love Tui. I love Banjo Tooie as well, and I think yeah, I love. I think both tired. are fantastic for different reasons. But I, a common complaint I see about Tooie is like it's just too big for like its own good, and I don't really agree with that. But I understand the too big comment. Like the levels are pretty big, and I think that's kind of symptomatic of what we saw with Ukulele. Like Tooie was maybe just pushing the edge of like how big a level can be and still be engaging, and then. Ukulele just like blew past that, and the levels were just way too huge and like empty. Yeah, ukulele was way too big. Like e- everything felt like it's short to traverse. Shouldn't be yeah. a thing in a 3D platformer. Like Hat and Time didn't suffer from that. Oh my like, god, I had moving time is so through good. the levels felt good. Yeah, I just I feel like so the only the only real collectathon I feel like I've ever played is Super Mario Odyssey. Like, I've played Super Mario 64, but I'm hesitant to really call that a collect-a-thon. It's more like a mission-based platformer. Yeah. And, um... Super Mario Odyssey was fun to me, because the movement controls felt sublime the whole time, and the moons mm-hmm. were really just something to do with the movement. while you used these amazing movement controls. Yeah. Whereas, I play Banjo-Kazooie, 
and the controls are like gargling mud and I also have to find jiggies I guess and there's no hint where the jiggies are and also you need a ton of these note things and if you die you don't get you don't get to get any more or you have to start over See, Tui fixed that Tui did not got rid of that whole stupid system and like I feel like there was limited ammo on a lot of things like I was never gonna run out of eggs so why did I have a limited number of them and also I was never gonna run out of red feathers so why did I have a limited number of them I don't know. The, the red feathers is just so you don't get to fly forever. Uh, that makes sense, I guess. But yeah, um, that, that's fair. A big part of Banjo Kazooie to me, at least, was I thought the levels for the most part were really charming. But like more than that, I think like I loved the characters so much in Banjo Kazooie and their like grunts and squeaks and stuff. I know that can get really annoying for some people. Yeah, I, I found every bit, and this is gonna be a really, really hot take. I found every bit of the sound design in this game very annoying, including all the music. I really oh, wow. didn't like so that's, real hot that's take. the hard disagree there. Oh, the, how, I yeah. think the, the music for Banjo Kazooie might be the best for me. Like, I love Grant uh, Kirkhope, yeah, I think. Grant, yeah, yeah Grant Kirkhope. Yeah. His, his score in Banjo Kazooie is just next level, I think. I, I didn't like it. I There was not a single level that did not kind of annoy me. Like, <laughs> oh, I just. I feel bad because I don't like ragging on games. But yeah. like, no, I mean, you have to give your opinion. You know? That's why I was so excited about this one is because I was like, you know, this is a game I don't feel too bad about ragging on because everybody likes it. And like, so, you know, I'm not going to, you know, Grant Kirkhope's not going to listen to this and feel sad that I don't like it. Like, yeah, because obviously, you know, he's the best. But I, I hate I hated it. <laughs> I did not have a good time. I, I'm yeah, not going mean- to finish it. You know, like, the music for me is, like, so infectious. Like, I could easily, like, hum tunes from various levels of that game, even today, after not playing for, like, years. You know, like, it's just ingrained in my brain, you know? The really funny part about this is, I don't think I would have liked this game as a kid, either, looking back. Because I I was really easily annoyed as a kid. I hated Disney World. (laughs) God. Yeah, Yeah, no, I still hate Disney World to this day, like... The only like, purpose I don't think of me I... going to like a Disney World is to get drunk at Epcot. <laughs> there, there was no time in my life in which I would have enjoyed Banjo Kazooie. I don't think. Wow, well, I was that's... more of a Universal person. Like I want, I want big theme Never attractions. Been. Universal's great. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's my games I've been playing this week. You know that and copious amounts of Splunky too. Uh, right, I want to yeah. give a shout out. Uh, Noita 1.0 came out today. That's a game or Noita in O I T A. Uh, I, I've talked about it on the podcast before. It's like the falling sand sort of physics-based roguelike type deal with magic uh-huh. and stuff. That came out 1.0 today, and I'm excited to check that out. But I just wanted to give it a shout-out. Sweet. Uh, Mike, you got anything? All right, so uh, in celebration of like Cyberpunk launching in, what is it, a month now? I've started yeah, playing like a close. lot of staple Cyberpunk games. And the first one I started with was Deus Ex Human Revolution. Because I've been meaning to nice. finish it. And, you know, I love it. It's great. It feels good to play. I've put some shaders on it so it's moody. Uh, <laughs> it's it's in the same vein as all the other life or simulation sim? games. Yeah, immersive sim games. Yeah. It's a lot of that same DNA, so there's not much, like, surprising about it. But it's... It feels good. It feels the progression feels good. The stealth options don't feel good, but you know, it's just the kind of game it is. Yeah. But it, I love it. 
the universe is great. Everything feels grim, dark, but you're also in the middle of like a renaissance of cybernetics. Like you can tell things are going shady behind the scenes and you can just kind of get glimpses of that. Cause it's very conspiratorial. Like there's the Illuminati are involved some way, shape or form every event in the game. And you just kind of get glimpses of that over the course of the game. Mm-hmm. You don't quite understand, but it, you slowly start to piece together that things aren't as they seem. Like, maybe there is shadowy figures manipulating the media or whatever. Pointing, it's like, oh, augmented people are bad, or buy more augmentations from this mega corporation. Does the, does the game kind of play like Mass Effect? For some reason in my mind, uh, I always had those two kind of, like, associated from a gameplay perspective. Uh, not, it's a third-person game, first right? Person. Uh, it's entirely oh, okay. first person, as are wow. most immersive sims. Third right. person only in cover. I see. Okay. Which, and you have multiple ways of solving like a problem. Like I snuck through an entire base, base through the ventilation shafts, only appearing on the ground to get into another ventilation shaft. That's Metal Gear esque. Or alternatively, you could have gone in guns blazing. My only problem with the game is that it has boss fights. <laughs> That are, I've encountered one so far, and I know there's a bunch more. And they're just, they feel out of place. Because you're sneaking through here, and then all of a sudden you're forced into a combat confrontation, regardless of your playstyle. Hmm. And so if you're not armed to the teeth, you have to find, be creative and like throw gas canisters at a guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of reeks to me of like... Them saying, like, hey, we need to put boss fights in this game, so let's, uh, even though still, it doesn't gel with our design philosophy. There's still, like, a variety yeah. of choices the boss fights can produce. Like, going around this first arena, you could hack some turrets to fire at him, or you could throw gas canisters at him. It gives yeah. you a lot of options rather than just, like, shooting him in the face till he dies. And I like well, that's that. Good. I, I, yeah. I don't like bosses. I shoot at him until he dies. It's, uh,. You could shoot at him, but you could also not shoot at him and hack the turrets or open a garage door full of ammo. <laughs> so it gives you enough options where you're not like super dissatisfied, but it still feels out of place. Yeah. That and stealth but, is kind of wonky. But overall, you're you're liking the game oh, a lot, I right? I, I, yeah, Deus Ex is pretty well-renowned, except for the latest one, I think. No, even Mankind Divided. Renowned well within the community that plays it. It just didn't sell well enough. Like, the only right, Deus yeah, Ex yeah. game everyone wants to forget is the second Deus Ex. Which was which the Invisible is... War. That's oh, the reason okay. you've never heard of it, is because yeah, the I've never heard people of it. that talk <laughs> about it are those who are in the community, and even then, we don't like to mention it. Ah, okay. Although, I'm not even in the community. I haven't played the first Deus Ex yet. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> on my list. Yeah, I mean, that's part of your Cyberpunk month, right? Yeah, it's part of Cyberpunk month. I'll probably talk about it at some point, if I get around to playing it, because I'm going to finish Human Revolution and go to Mankind Divided and then play the original Deus Ex. I'm yeah, playing I'm, I'm chronologically. I'm looking forward to the inevitable... Uh, the the day we record and the game you're playing is Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's going <clears> to <throat> happen probably in October. I'm excited for the game. Not as excited as a lot of other people, but like I, I am going to play it eventually. I think I'm going to wait for the next-gen patch to hit and then pick it up, but like I'm excited to hear impressions on it. Uh, 
that event is, I think, next week. Uh, what's the date for next week? Seven days from now? No, I won't be talking about girls. I'll probably not like date. Okay. Uh, in two weeks, <clears throat> I'll be talking about Ghost Runner because I played the first two levels and my initial impressions are good. Yeah. I, I'm not going to talk about it a lot because it's not out yet and I don't have a full, like, grasp of the actual launch game. Understandable. Hard to yeah. say a lot about a game from the first two levels, but I'm in love already. And definitely spending that, like, $15 on it. Sweet. Okay, I can go next. So as I alluded to earlier, I've been playing a lot of video games. Uh, I've been playing... So I mentioned Call of Duty Warzone earlier in the podcast, and uh, I'm, like, impressed with how good this thing is. Like, so Call of Duty Warzone, like, probably everyone knows what it is, but in case you don't, it's uh, Call of Duty's take on Battle Royale. And uh, there's 150 people on one giant map. And have either of you played Warzone? No, yeah, I, I like it. The only reason I don't have it installed is because it's like 200 it's gigs. It's massive, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it's it's probably one of the better done Battle Royales. And I, I what I really was impressed by was like its unique gulag mechanic. You guys yeah, know what I'm I liked to? that. Yeah, so like if you die, you have an, one chance essentially. So you're sent to the gulag. And you have to 1v1 someone, and if you win that 1v1 fight, you get to redeploy. So I that was really sort of a unique twist uh, in the Battle Royale formula that I haven't really seen before. And even if you lose that chance, if your teammate has enough money, they can buy your revival as well. So it, it's interesting in that like death is definitely not the end, like it is in lots of other Battle Royales. Like You still yeah. have chances to come back. Isn't the Gulag I, also like randomized loadouts too? Yes. So you have to adapt. Yeah, yeah, so both you and your opponent have the same loadout, but it's it's random. It could be anything. So, like, you do have to, like, out... Like, you do have to, you know, beat your opponent head-on, and you have the same tools. But, yeah, like, what those, what those tools are can be different. But, yeah, like, I've been enjoying it quite a bit. I've been playing with my cousin, and, like... I, I always praise Call of Duty games. Like, their gameplay is just so good. Like, I think Call of Duty nails first-person shooter gameplay... Yeah, I and think tight is the best word for Call of Duty. Exactly, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like they, so it's just tight. everything's snappy and everything like feels like quick and it, it's great. Um and I think, you know, like even though I suck like a lot at the game, like I think it's super fun to play and I think like this is the first battle royale I've played in a long time that I actually have like desire to play over and over again. So I think that's other than Fall Guys. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't played Fall Guys, guys in weeks. a long time. I, I, it got I really, old. Yeah, I haven't either. I haven't touched season two yet. I, I've been meaning to check it out though. Like I, I will at some point. I feel like I really Fall Guys got old, and Among Us kind of replaced it, and like the Gestalt consciousness that is our culture. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, Among Us definitely took Fall Guys' place like instantly. I, that was kind of wild. I do hope Fall Guys takes a page out of like Apex Legends and Call of Duty Warzone's book if they ever do a um a team based game mode. Sort of, where, like, if you do something fairly difficult, you can bring back a dead teammate or something. Yeah, I don't I, I don't think Fall Guys will ever go down that route. I don't think... Well, the developers talked about going down that route before. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And in one of the interviews, they said that they wanted to do a team-based, uh, like... Mode? Yeah, and um, not necessarily all team-based games, but, like, races and stuff, too, but, like... You know, being on a team would be somehow significant in it. Yeah. 
So like maybe you'd have to get first to bring back a teammate or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, they said the the main reason that wasn't in it at launch was that they did they didn't expect this big of a community and they didn't want to split it. Although I don't know how big the community is now because a lot of people have moved on. Yeah. But a lot of people. I'm got sure tired it's still it. pretty big. Yeah, I mean, I would play it. Honestly, the thing that makes me so mad is I still can't see names, and something about that just rubs me the wrong way, and I get angry, and I turn it off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a that's kind of a... It should be fixed by now, you it know? It should be. Yeah, like, I'm sorry I've kind of um, swiped your uh, game you've been playing about, Ammon, but... Oh, no worries, no worries. So, yeah, just in the interest of time, I'll go through my next ones. Uh, so, I mentioned Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. I've been playing through that with my sister, and that's quite a bit of fun. Uh, it's super spooky. Uh, oh, are you back in Charleston right now? Yeah. Okay. Not to dox you. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna be <laughs> uh, I'm I'm gonna be moving here soon, but but yeah. Sell the house. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to rent it out actually, but we'll see ah, okay. How it goes. But yeah, Resident Evil Seven Biohazard. I think it's super scary. I think like so the first person perspective is also a sort of new thing for Resident Evil starting with this game and i think it does it really well and i think the the reason the movement is so slow in that game is because like i think the vr integration and just the fact that you're wandering through a house the entire game yeah the uh, map's fairly small isn't it it's small but like i i'm really impressed with like i guess the level design the way the the secret corridors of the house fold in on themselves and you open up pathways to areas you've been before it reminds me a lot of like dark souls honestly mm-hmm. and i think you know like even though the house is small like i keep you you there's definitely a sense of like progressing through the house and discovering new things and that hasn't gone away yet for me at least so really enjoying resident evil 7 biohazard and the final game I want to talk about is one that Connor talked about last time, and that is Hades. So since the last episode, I've purchased Hades and put in over 25 hours into that game. And I am in love with this game. I think the gameplay is phenomenal. Like, Have you I beat love, it yet? Uh, if I beat it, you mean you know, gone through a whole run? Yeah. Yes, I've done that. I haven't yet. I, I kind of stopped, stopped playing it when Splunky 2 came out. I haven't beaten it yet. So my attempt number 21 was when I finally cleared a run. But apparently, so that's not the quote-unquote end of the game, right? The story still continues, and I hear there's actually a way to get credits to roll. So, like, I have I believe you have to beat it more than 10 times. Okay, so I think I'm yeah. around 5 right now. But I, the the thing I love most about Hades, and just in an attempt not to repeat too much of the stuff you said last week about the story and stuff like that, in terms of the gameplay, I love how each run so far, and I've I've put in like what like forty plus runs already, feels pretty much entirely unique. Just the way that the weapon combos with like the gods' power power ups and stuff like that, it it changes the gameplay from run to run enough to where like I feel like I'm playing a completely not a completely different game, but a completely different like play style, and that to yeah. me is super exciting. Like I, I, I like love, that it incentivizes you to use the different weapons too. Yeah, and I love experimenting and finding new combinations that like work really well. And like, there's some combinations that are just so op that like they steamroll the whole game that I've discovered. But like, I'll, most of the combinations are like very well balanced, and like you really have to like. So like, if like your cast is enhanced in a certain pl- in a certain way, you you would play around that as opposed to like 
uh, another playthrough when your attack, your weapon itself is boosted in a specific way and you build around that. Or like in another playthrough where your dash is like your main way of attacking. Like I've even had that before. Like my dashing was my w- main way of clearing the levels. So I really? think, yeah, I think Hades is Supergiant's best game by far. I agree and with that's, that. Yeah. That's saying a lot. Yeah. yeah, that's saying a lot considering what they've put out before. They've put out incredible games in the past. And I and I know you touched on the story last uh, episode, Connor, but I think the story is quite remarkable. The way it it seemed there's seemingly like interactions for everything, you know, like like this the way your relationship with the characters in the House of Hades changes as you play the game and clear levels. And even the way that that the levels themselves change the more you play the game. Like that's that's even happening now. Like the more you play, the more things change. And that hasn't even stopped after I've cleared the game. Like that's wow. and that's really impressive to me. That's really neat. And like the story, yeah, the story progression between characters as well, as well as the overall story, it just keeps going and going and going. There's seeming like like in seemingly like an infinite amount of dialogue in this game, and none of it has repeated for me. And it's written insane. so well. Like I've never yes, cared it's about so Greek good. mythology. I, I don't like I think I said it last time, I don't really care for the Disney Hercules like Yeah. I, I just don't like Greek mythology very much, but this game made me like it a lot. Yeah, like all it, the characters it was interesting are, enough that I actually think I looked some stuff up after I played it, which I think yeah. is their goal. Like all the characters are super interesting. All of them are extremely well voice acted. You know, like when oh, I first yeah. heard Zagreus, I was like, okay, this is just going to be your edgy like emo protagonist, and like I was so wrong about that. Zagreus is an absolutely compelling character, and I think his relationship with Hades and quite frankly his relationship with everyone you know like just developing that through the game is fascinating and you know like i love just living in that world and listening to those characters talk and like interact and i can't get enough of it to be honest like yeah i'm a huge huge fan it's a good game i haven't played it can't say (laughs) i think you'd like it mike but uh, yeah I think, yeah, I think that'll do it for us this week. Wow, this has been a long episode. episode. Yeah. Yeah. You can, I actually never even mentioned this, but the video component for this week (laughs) is Warframe. And don't worry, it'll it'll be in the description of the podcast. So we haven't spoken a single bit about this. Yeah, check that out. Mike's messing stuff up. You know, to be honest, like this gameplay is extremely compelling to me. I've been watching the whole time and like it looks really cool. But yeah, if you're interested in Warframe, check out the YouTube version of this podcast. Please follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Uh, like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you use and on YouTube. And click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord and talk to us there. Thank you, Connor and Mike. Yep, see you guys next week. Yeah, see you next see week. See you next week. Bye.